This is Tanya Nayak, and you're listening to The Break. My next guest is a motivational speaker. He's a best-selling author. He does a lot of business training, consulting, and coaching. He has a show called Office Hours, which is now starting season two, a podcast, an Instagram live. And what does this man not do? I don't know. He has literally found time to personally impact people's lives by the thousands I am so excited for you to listen in to his inspiring words and his journey and about what his big break was, because I'll tell you what, it's going to surprise you and it's not what you think. David, I am extremely beside myself excited that you're here today. Thank you so much for doing this with me. It's amazing. I am not only pleased to be here with you, but we both have our dogs uh, with us, so if you hear my dog bark, uh, please forgive me. And she she may hear your dog in the back saying hello to me as well. So it's just the frequency we're on. It's the world we live in, right? It's, it's acceptable and expected. So we love it. Thank you for having it me. It is. So grateful that you had me as a guest on your Instagram Live. And of course, we had 15 minutes and we connected immediately. And in, in like three minutes, we were instant like universal connection between us. I remember realizing, oh my gosh, the time is ticking. We have so much to talk about, so much to cover. So I was really excited about bringing you back here with me today because one of the things that I asked you as we were running out of time was what your big break was. And you quite frankly threw me for a little bit of a loop, but I appreciated it, but we didn't have a chance to dig deep into it. So I'm gonna remind you what happened. So this podcast is really a lot about, you know, hearing people's journey and their stories. And a lot of times when they make it to their big break, there's a lot of things that have to happen along the way to get them to that point. And when I asked you what your big break was with all of the success that you've had along the way and all the money that you've made and all the, you know, stardom and everything that's come along the way, you said that your big break was when your wife threatened to leave you. <laughs> and I, and it's like the one thing that I never expected someone to answer with. But I know I want to dig into that. But just let's build it up a little bit for people who are listening. What was your big break when you suddenly were 20 years old, you made your first million and you're like, Oh, my God, I'm making some money yeah. here. So tell me a little bit about that journey. I see my big breaks differently than others. I took a job in the internet out of law school. Uh, and my mom told me the internet was a fad, that it would never last, <laughs> and that if I wasn't a real lawyer, I'd be making one of the biggest mistakes of my life. And the biggest break, uh, my first big break, was me realizing that just because somebody loved me, and nobody loves me still today more than my mom, I'm sorry, except for the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, but uh, yes, my mom loves me too much, let me just tell you that. And to realize that just because my mom loves me doesn't mean she gives me good advice. And that, that mm -hmm. was the big break. And so I went and worked in the internet in nine months, made over a million dollars. I bought her the house and the car that I dreamed of buying her. Did she have a change in perspective at that point? You, you know, I, I thought she did. And, and that what is in my thirties led to my demise is that I thought that money bought me love and happiness. And all of a sudden I was the favorite child uh, out of the six children she uh, was raising by herself. And 
The other ones all went to the Ivy Leagues. The other ones all listened to her, became doctors, lawyers, or even a rabbi, you know, and, and I'm sitting here, the black sheep. Uh, I thought that I was, you know, buying love and happiness for my mom, but I found later, as you know, by losing everything over a hundred million dollars, that it was unconditional, my mom's love. And uh, it was a mm -hmm. greater lesson and a greater attribute of the great break of being able to buy my mom a house and a car and living a 10-year journey where everything reaffirmed or confirmed that money does buy love or happiness, or at least in my mindset, I believe that uh, up until, like you said, my next big break. That actually stems all the way back to your early childhood, which means, uh, was your mom single mom raising six kids? Dad left when I was five. My mom worked two jobs as a second grade teacher, and she filled up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. She packed us uh, dinners in a paper bag and drove us around Akron, Ohio, uh, inspiring us to empowering us, I should say, to to learn. So we all read books and studied with one another in a country squire station wagon. I was the least aligned with my mom's philosophy of doctor, lawyer, or failure. So I would just tell my older siblings, you know, when they told me to shut up, I'd say, I'm going to be rich. F you. I'm going to buy mama a house and a car. She's going to love me more than you guys. Go ahead. Go to Harvard, Penn, and Columbia all you want. I'm going to make a lot of money. You're going to see. And I did. And they did too. I grew up with a similar, very similar thing. Being Indian, doctor, lawyer, engineer was pretty much like the path that it was going to be. And I still feel to this day, I took a, a path that was completely not in what is typical in the Indian culture where I went into television and entertainment. And it was like, I remember clearly I was on Oprah and my dad said to me, then I had a show where the billboards were international. They were showing up in Singapore and Jordan. And my dad said to me, you know, Tanya, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> this is what he says to me. And it's like, because they can't quantify it. It's not a quantifiable thing, I think, in their, in their brain, you yeah. know. But, you know, so you get to this point and now you're, you've made your first million and more money and more money. You meet your wife and things kind of go off the rails. Yeah. So I was blessed. <laughs> there was really three things that happened and it wasn't until my wife threatened to leave me. So my wife, I met in the fourth grade. I moved from Akron, Ohio to San oh, Diego. I didn't know Yeah. That. She skateboarded yeah. by my house in the fourth grade and I had an instant feeling. Uh, little did I know <laughs> that it was love. Uh, but in sixth grade, my best friend, Rob, asked her to go steady with me at sixth grade camp. She said no tell him to ask me. Wait, he asked her for yeah, you. I was 12, <laughs> which is what my, my son is today, 12. So I look at him going, are you kidding me? And it was amazing because he embarrassed me and my friend. He's like, dude, she said no. So I threw an egg at her. I threw rocks at her. And so she hated me until after I made a lot of money. And I was never sure uh, that she loved me for my money or loved me for me. Uh, even though, which is a horrible, yeah, feeling. but it was my own, yeah. my own meaning, right. And my own perspective. And mm -hmm. so when I was 30, I was married to my dream girl. I had, I was a multimillionaire. I was running Samsung's phone division at the time, the world's first smartphone. And my dad gave me, who had left me when I was five, gave me the first birthday gift in 20 years. He gave me a jacket with no pockets. And at that time, I wasn't ready to hear his message that he gave me the jacket to tell me that money doesn't buy love or happiness, that I couldn't or shouldn't be the richest man in the cemetery. And he instructed me to hang the jacket to remind me every day that I was just like him. 
that I was just like him and he wanted me to know that money doesn't buy happiness, that I was going to be uh, the richest man in the cemetery, which would mean nothing, and that I would take nothing with me when I was gone. So I told my father I hated him. I told him uh, I was nothing like him, that he was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, and a back-end seller, and I hated him and never wanted to talk to him. Six years later, I was running Lee Steinberg now, the most notable sports agency in the world. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about our firm. So not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to everything, even things that billionaires couldn't afford to do. You know, and so I asked yeah. my best friend, Rob, the guy who asked my wife to go steady in the fourth grade, I said, Rob, I wanna take you to the masters. We'll, ply, we'll fly private. We'll go, you know, back to the cabins with Curtis Strange. I'll take you to the NetJet party with Joe Montana and Wayne Gretzky and all of the celebrities. And he looked at me and said, I'm not going. I said, what do you mean you're not going? He said, I don't like right. what you're doing and who you hang out with. I'm not going to go do that. And I'm like, Rob, I don't think you heard me, dude. I'm taking you to the Masters. He's like, Dave, I don't think you heard me. You can lie to me all you want but don't lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. I said, Rob, I'm not doing mm -hmm. what those guys are doing. He said, Dave, stop lying to yourself and walked away. Two weeks later, my life would change forever. Now, I told Rob when he was walking away from me to F off and I hated him. Uh, so now yeah, I hate my father. You were in the defensive box. Yeah, I hate my right, father. And because I hate you were right in your yeah. mind. Mm -hmm. And I hate my father and I hate my best friend now within six years, two weeks later, because they didn't agree with you. Right, because everyone was time. telling me yes in my life. And I have a saying, don't take yes for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, two weeks later, I asked my wife if I can go to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John, who's become fairly famous since then as well. But she said no. She said, you're not paying attention to your family. You're not paying attention to your work. And you're partying way too much. You're out of control. So of course I lied to her, told her I was gonna go do a business meeting and I went to the Grammy Awards, came home at 5.30 in the morning, completely messed up. And she was waiting for me to tell me that great breakthrough of she was leaving me and she wasn't happy. She told me that I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. Well, I told her to F off. I told her I hated her. I went to bed and I hated her more mm -hmm. when I woke up and I was gonna steal her happiness by taking her money and taking her family and you know reacting in, in the normal way that most people in that situation react. And I looked over, no coincidence, and I saw the jacket, maybe for the first time in years, staring at me. I get choked up. Mm -hmm. I'm 16 years later. Mm -hmm. I get choked up wow. because I looked at the jacket and I said to myself, I don't hate my father. I don't hate my best friend. I don't hate my wife. I hate myself. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. I hate myself. And I'm going to end up dead. And so I changed my life. I reacquainted myself with the values that my mom taught me. Simple values that I live by today. Gratitude to find the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. Forgiveness, mm -hmm. yeah. to find peace. Accountability, mm -hmm. not liability. No blame, shame, and justification. Just simply accountability to learn the lessons and take control of my own life and the ability to effectively communicate, not just with other people, 
but to live in spirit, mm -hmm. to have faith that there's something bigger than me that love me more than my mom loves me. Something that's omniscient, all powerful and all knowing yes. that love me more than even my mom loved me. Two years later, I lost everything over a hundred million dollars, but I was well prepared. And uh, ever since I lost everything, I've made a lot of money, helped a lot of people and had a lot of fun. And I've never been happier, wealthier, worthier uh, in my life. And more fulfilled. How did you lose everything, David? What, so what happened there? So I didn't ask for help. You know, I, did, I lost everything because I thought I knew everything. There's two types of people. Mm -hmm. There's ignorant people and ignorant people. I was the ignorant, arrogant yeah. person that didn't know what I didn't know, but pretended like I did. And then mm -hmm. I turned into the ignorant, humble person that admits that I don't know what I don't know, but I'm gonna go find somebody that does know and ask them for help. That's the shift. Isn't that the shift right there? But you know, it, it, all of this really boils down to one thing, I think leading up to all of this is ego, right? That's a whole conversation in and of itself. When you talk about ego, it's funny because I think when I first learned how to interpret ego, it's a tricky thing to explain to people who don't necessarily understand it. You know, I remember explaining it to someone on my team who's a lot younger. And I said, you know, you're letting your ego get in the way. And and I remember she got really defensive saying, well, what are you talking about? Are you telling me I I have an ego or, or I'm being egotistical? And I said, no, it's your ego. It's not a it's not a bad thing. It's a thing. It's just a thing. <laughs> it's your ego. And you've got to like step outside of that to, to understand that whatever is going on, you're making a decision based on what your ego wants to hear. And, and it sounds like there was quite a bit of that happening. I love the way that you describe that. It's a thing, right? It's a thing that edges goodness out of your life. It's the thing mm -hmm. that edges God or the omniscient, all powerful, all knowing out of your life. And it does it through needs to protect you so you can fight, flee, feed, or fornicate, procreate. And, you know, when you can explain, I, I explain ego to people in the same result that Look, I don't care how you define what edges or interferes with your potential, but you have certain things you're doing, like having a need to be right or a need to be offended, right. a need to worry, a need to complain, a need to be separate of some sort, a need to be inferior or superior, a need to be anxious, mm -hmm. frustrated, guilty, resentful. If you look at all of these emotions, all of this energy that you put in mo motion that sucks your soul dry, that creates interference between you and your potential, you and your best self, when you learn to identify these things, as you suggest, mm -hmm. these things, not narcissistic, not egotistical, but these things that interfere with the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, the unbelievable source of power, light, and love that you possess at all times. So instead of trying through ego to go get happy, through ego trying to go get healthy, go get wealthy, or go mm -hmm. get worthy, why not say, I am healthy? I am happy, I am wealthy, I am worthy. Let's figure out together what we're doing to interfere with it. This is the shift in the paradigm that occurred that day when you asked me, what, what was that pinnacle point in my life? It was when my wife said no, enough, and proved that she loved me more than my money.
I love that you get so emotional still because I know people interview you a lot you speak a lot you you do all this public speaking and that it, it it resonates so deeply and one of the things that I was really curious about knowing is I understand there was a moment where you saw the jacket and I understand it was like massive self-reflection hit you in the head at that moment but where you are today and the way you speak and how your heart has opened up did you go to therapy? Did you go to rehab? Like what? This doesn't happen overnight. Blessed not to have gone to, to rehab um, because I wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol, um, but I mm. went to therapy and I read a lot of books and asked for a lot of help beyond therapy. So I started surrounding myself uh, with the world thought leaders and I was you know, accepted into, you know, the Transformational Leadership Council with Bob Proctor and Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and Jim Quick and Blaine Bartlett and Cynthia Kersey and Mary Morrissey and Deepak Chopra and Reverend Beckwith. And the list went on and on and on and on. And in fact, to the point where the movie The Secret, uh, John Asaroff uh, became, you know, the people I wanted to surround myself with. And then I was actually in the net next, mm -hmm. the Netflix movie Beyond the Secret recently. So, you mm -hmm. know, it works to surround yourself with the people with the right ideas and the right energy or frequency. Um, yeah. It definitely doesn't happen overnight. I say the room that I live in is the room for improvement. And I would say one thing because I am an emotional person uh, and I cry. And I, 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 I cry, but I see crying just like perspiration. And, and, and let me tell you why. When your body overheats, and I've been in the world of sports for a long time, we have this wonderful mechanism that cools us down. Uh, and it's sweat, right? It's what, that's yeah. why we sweat. Yeah. So we cool down so we can stay at ease. Well, I believe that crying is when we have too much emotion because we have cleared the interference and we still have limitations, which is called the body. And this limitation has too much energy coming through it. And so it's tears that are like perspiration that allow us to stay at ease for an unbelievable amount of positive emotion or negative or mm -hmm. something powerful. And the fact that I still get emotional to me is a sign that I'm clearing the interference between me and my potential that I still have such power to possess and I still have to improve and learn. But it also means that my wife and my health and my wealth and my worthiness mean a lot to me. And I'm starting to really clear more interference every time I talk about it. And my body will respond through tears to regulate the ease that I want to live in, not the dis-ease. I know that you spread a word, you spread energy to a lot of different people and the things that you say, you're not afraid to show those emotions and speak the truth. The words like a clear conscience, you know, when your conscience is clear, you're free. You know, you, if you know you did the right thing, if you know you're being a good person, your conscience is clear. So if people attack you or come at you with hurt, hurtful things, it's really probably them and not you if your conscience is clear. Yeah, I, I have a way to put that real quick too, right? I told my kids this. In fact, I wrote it in my birthday card to my son. I said, one of the greatest lessons is to not care what other people think or say or do to you, but learn from it. And when we can have mm -hmm. that clear conscious of not having to defend, to illuminate and to be humble, 
when we can just learn from other people's opinion, from their attacks, uh, then we're truly of service or value and we can live at ease. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm working towards every day, incrementally, consistently, persistently, to learn from everyone, to find the light, the love and the lessons, and even attacks. Uh, even judgments and conditions that are placed upon everyone. So I used to care and not learn. Now I learn and not care. That's the best. Well put. And I'm learning so much from you every day. You know, my my introduction to you is fairly new. And the more I, I read about you, the more I learn about you, the more I love you. And I'm so grateful that you're a part of this. So thank you so much. You're a blessing. And what nice words. I appreciate it so much. I would like to tell everyone, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Always do good deeds. Feel free to reach out to me. I have time for everyone. Emails, phone calls, david at dmeltzer.com. Just personally reach out. Thank you. Thank you. The Break with Tanya Nyack, a Mudhouse Media Production.